Tired of jumping from job to job? How about a career in a recession-proof industry where you can make a difference and help create a healthier living and working environment? The pest management industry gives you the opportunity to work with more independence. OPC Pest Services will give you a chance to grow with advancement. Come be a part of our team at OPC Pest Services. Apply online at opcpest.com slash careers. That's opcpest.com slash careers. Where do you go to find all your favorite wine, beer, and spirits with selections customized to local tastes? For over 25 years, that go-to place has been Cox's Spirit Shop. Cox's, Louisville's go-to liquor store. Welcome to the Kentucky Racing Spotlight with Louis Rabot, presented by the Kentucky HBPA. Now here's Louis Rabot. All right, welcome into yet another edition of the Kentucky Racing Spotlight with Louis Rabot. I'm Louis Rabot here. Uh, I'm not in the studios of ESPN 680 this week. Uh, I'm on vacation, but of course, this show uh, takes no vacations, and so you do get me here uh, live from Mexico. How about that? Uh, keeping up on the preps, both on the Derby and the Oak side. We'll talk about that. I'm going to comment about the dust commander that happened last weekend at Turfway Park. Not the outcome of the race, but rather who was involved in the race interested me. And something I want to talk about uh, as we do this, you know, we, we concentrate on racing within the Commonwealth. I want to get into one of the trends I noticed at Turfway this year and what it might be going forward uh, for all things Kentucky racing. Uh, but before, I want to thank our friends at the Kentucky H-B-P-A, K-Y-H-B-P-A, a dot com. You can go check out all of their stuff over there, all the great membership options and all the great service they are doing for horsemen, horsewomen with throughout the Commonwealth and, frankly, throughout the country. So check them out, K-Y-H-B-P-A.com. All right, so a bunch of interesting things happened in this last weekend. Obviously, we had the Risen Star. Obviously, we had the Sunland Derby. And in a weird way, I'm going to start with the Sunland Derby because I think one of the things that we love to do as horse players, when we get to Derby time, is figure out who it is that's going to fill out our our tickets for maybe that Derby try or that Derby super. What does that look like, and where do those horses come from that might get us that that once in a lifetime Derby hit, or maybe, frankly, you're a really good horse player and you get those hits a lot. But that I, you know, that opportunity to key a horse that you really like with a bunch of other horses who might fill out your exact trifecta, what have you, uh, they're in the Kentucky Derby. So the Sutherland Derby happens, and it's a 20-point race after having been a 50-point race. And the reason is because, look, there's some good history out there, right? Good horses, mind that bird, other horses have run out there, come to the Kentucky Derby, um, I mean, no problem. And that was a horse that ran fourth in the Sutherland Derby, a 50-to-1 upset in that grade one Kentucky Derby here. Back into uh, back uh, back in his his run for the roses, you might be saying, "Well, Louis, this is that's a long time ago. This is not a great prep for predicting winners or success in the Kentucky Derby." And generally speaking, I agree with you. But I think it's worth mentioning that a couple of horses have come out of there have been really good. So Thor's Echo won this race, and he won in two thousand five. He became a champion sprinter, and he won the title the following year. So it isn't as though, and, you, and, and any person who's followed the sport for any amount of time knows, you'll get horses from anywhere. Good horses come out of lots of places. Idiomatic last year won her first couple of races at Turfway Park and then went on to be older dirt female of the year. Those horses can come from anywhere, for sure. But in 2015, the winner was firing line. And some of you probably just smirked because you know that is the horse that finished right behind American Pharaoh in the Kentucky Derby. And that's what we're trying to find out. Is Stronghold, who won that race, one of those horses? Stronghold, of course, trained by Phil D'Amato, fine trainer of horses. And Antonio Fresu flew in for this one from Los Angeles. Obviously, they think they have something with this horse. He now has 20 points, and he's going to have to figure out the rest of his route to the Derby. Now, the good news for him is he ran in early February, and if they want to give him that new finagled five to six weeks off, they can. And he can go run early April at the Santa Anita Derby. He essentially needs to finish third in that race to get a start, a spot in the gate, in my opinion. He's got 20 already. He's in a good spot. But I think in his case, if he can go to that 
Santa Anita Derby, for example. I'm just using one race as an example. As long as he finishes in the top three, he hits the board, essentially. He gets a spot in the starting gate in the Kentucky Derby. And I'd start to wonder, frankly, if you won't see more trainers use something like the Sunland Derby, which is in this really advantageous part of the calendar, mid-February, where trainers can still make lots of decisions in March and in April on how to qualify for the Kentucky Derby. Heck, Stronghold could ship in to Turfway Park. We were just talking about Turfway. For that, Jeff Ruby stakes at the end of March. And then if it doesn't work, wheel around, stay in Kentucky, wheel around, run in the Lexington. Another 20-point race. Try to qualify for the starting gate, if that's what the ownership wants. And frankly, this time of year, for the Wallers, who own this horse, by the way, that might be something they're really interested in. And so I'll be interested to see, personally, what the Wallers think, obviously, what Phil D'Amato thinks as far as running this horse back. Does it go back to California? Does it ship east of the Rocky Mountains for its next race? I don't know. But I'll be interested to watch Stronghold out of what was an okay Sunland Derby. I will say that Stronghold was a little green. But how many times have we seen a green horse turn it around and be really great by the time we get to the beginning of May for that run for the Roses? I think we see it a lot. And I think it's the kind of horse that could absolutely turn heads and maybe hit the board even when we get to Kentucky Derby Day because, frankly, <laughs> we're trying to find those horses that will fill out the rest of the field. And who knows? That may be one of them. But, of course, the star of the weekend was the Risen Star. And I think for most of us, and including me on this show, I was very wrong about something. And that was, I said not to go. I thought the Louisiana route to the Derby didn't look very good. And that was when Nash wasn't firing and Track Phantom was winning races. And I didn't quite know what to make of Track Phantom. And I think I had built up Nash because of a maiden appearance rather than what he had really accomplished recently. And I think many of us are guilty of this. We see a horse either on debut or second go where maybe they tried six furlongs the first time trainer stretches them to two turns and they really fire. And you get really excited about that horse. And by the way, it's totally okay to do that because once in a while we're right. We're totally right. But in the case of Nash, we were wrong. And I was very worried that this route wasn't going to be a very good one. I also didn't know Sierra Leone <laughs> was going to ship in for Chad Brown. Track Phantom runs a great race. I don't, I don't understand any of the criticism of Track Phantom in this one. He just didn't have it on that Saturday. Now, again, mid-February, come back, run Louisiana Derby. Horse gets 25 points already for that really good run in the Risen Star. And I think something we don't do well in horse racing media is we see Sierra Leone win that race, and we say, oh, he's in the starting gate. Well, so is Track Phantom. Track Phantom has enough points at this point, most likely, to qualify for the Kentucky Derby. So at the top of the points of the points standings right now, Sierra Leone has 55. He ran in a 10-pointer in the Remsen and got the five points for finishing second and then comes back, wins here, has 55 points. Trek Phantom has 55 as well. The two of them tied atop the leaderboard, I guess you could say Sierra Leone, with a slight edge because he won the race that they were both in. But Track Phantom kind of doing it old school. Not just picking one spot and hoping to win, but rather accumulating points along the way. Is that what Stronghold will end up doing? Who, by the way, had five points going into that Sunland Derby. Now has 25 is fourth, right behind Fierceness with 36. Tied with Catching Freedom, who also ran in that Risen Star. And finished third. Got 15 points for that race. Mystic Dan, of course, a winner at Oaklawn in sixth with 21. Hades, that winner down at the Holy Bull. Has 20. Uncle Heavy has 20. No More Time has 20. How about that? <laughs> and locked, of course, for Todd Pletcher, tied with Liberal Arts at 10th with 19 points. I got a lot. Of, I put it up on Twitter this week at Radio Louie if you want to go find me there. You can find this show at KY Racing Spotlight as well. I asked, you know, based on some odds in Vegas, who would you take in a future poll at these odds, right? And they include a lot more horses than are involved in the Kentucky Derby futures. And that's not, by the way, not a knock at all on the folks at Churchill Downs. I understand what they're doing. You can only have 19, then it's in all others. You know, in Vegas, you can have 7,000 horses. <laughs> Probably list anybody legally, frankly. 
And liberal arts was one of those things. People very excited about liberal arts. That's a Medina trainee. Interested to see if he does come out better. But I think we need to talk about Sierra Leone coming out of this one. And I'm always fascinated because I, I hear a lot from people who know this game a lot better than I do. Oh, he wasn't cranked up for that one. He didn't have him totally cranked for that. And I'm starting to wonder if Sierra Leone doesn't know what that means. <laughs> In the best way, by the way. That's not a knock on the horse at all. I think he's just a gamer, and I think he just likes to win. And you know what? Damn it. Give me give me all of those. Give me all of those. I'll take 100 Sierra Leones on Derby Weekend. Give me 11 races of Sierra Leones. Give me 14 races of Sierra Leones. I love that kind of stuff. But he ships in and he runs that style that he can win. And in years past, early parts of the point system, I was very reticent to back a horse like Sierra Leone. Because coming from off the pace and winning was not really an option in the Kentucky Derby. Mage came from mid-pack, but before that, of course, we got Rich Strike. And I'm not saying the Sierra Leone is Rich Strike. Settle down. <laughs> That's not what I'm doing. I think he'll win again in his career here. But what if Sierra Leone is just one of those horses? He's able to sit mid-pack. Maybe even with a little bit of development, they can get him to sit up a little bit closer to the pace. But maybe you don't want to. He's just going to have to make his own way. He's going to have to be one of those horses that doesn't care about getting dirt kicked in his face. We know that he doesn't. That doesn't mind making a trip. We know mind that either. But I do remember on the Horse Racing Happy Hour again, my podcast on Thursday nights with Mike Gandolfo. You can find us at Horse Happy Hour on Twitter for that one. I do solo shows in December and January on that as well. And after the Remsen, I said, if we're buying for the next couple of months, I'll buy the Sierra Leone stock. So I feel good about that prediction at least. And Sierra Leone did everything right. The splits were good. That race was legitimate. Track Phantom did a lot of work. But Sierra Leone ran down a very game track Phantom. And I don't think we should overlook how good of a run it was for Sierra Leone. Does anyone doubt that Chad Brown will have this horse ready to go by the time we get there? I don't think so. So, of course, Sierra Leone, almost certainly at the top of many people's boards, including in Vegas. And I think a deserved spot atop the Derby projections at this point. Now, I don't play futures. I don't begrudge anyone that does. But I can't imagine what the price would have to be for me to be comfortable betting Sierra Leone because there are so many variables still that that horse even makes the starting gate on the first Saturday in May, let alone wins it. But let's go to the other race that happened at Oakland, or excuse me, <laughs> at Fairgrounds this, week, this past weekend. That was the Rachel Alexander Stakes, the grade two, and that's for an Oaks prep. And, I mean, in a stunner to no one, <laughs> Louisville based Brad Cox uh, wins with Tarifa under Flavian Pratt. And it wasn't an especially fast race. It wasn't an especially monumental outcome. But it is monumental because I believe in something very to say about horse racing, which is I think certain races are great for predicting future success. So one that I always go to is the last prep for the Preakness in Maryland is called the Federico Tessio Stakes. Named for Federico Tessio, a fine horseman himself in Maryland. The last winner of that race to win the Preakness was in 1983, and his name was Deputed Testimony. And a good way to know who's not going to win the Preakness is to look and who ran in the Federico Tessio. The Rachel Alexandra is the opposite of whatever the Tessio is <laughs> as far as future success. Here are the horses that have won the race that you have absolutely heard of in the last couple of years. Pretty Mischievous, Turner Loose, Clarier, Finite, Serengeti Empress, Monomoy Girl, and Untappable. These are seriously capable horses that came out of this, serious capable, seriously capable fillies. And you know the trainer list, Brad Cox, Brendan Walsh, Brad Cox, Asmus and Asmus and Amos, Cox, Catalano, Amos, Larry Jones. Serious, serious, serious connections coming out of this race. I bring it up because we did get Clarier. We got Serengeti Empress, Monomoy Girl, 
and of course, pretty mischievous out of this race as winners, not just out of this race, but as winners. And to me, that really stands out as something that matters. So Tarifa becomes one to watch. Obviously, this weekend, looking forward, we're going to see the other Brad Cox that he pulled from that race in West Omaha. She hasn't run at Oakland before, but she is two for four lifetime, one for one this year. She won that silver bullet day listed stakes down at, uh, excuse me, at the fairgrounds in January, comes back this weekend after a, a full month off here. Up there in the honeybee, the grade three mile and a 16th on the dirt at Oakland Park. I'll give you my thoughts on that in the final segment. David Lynch joins me from Horse Racing Nation. Should be a fun one to look at. We'll also, of course, look at the Rebel. And we get another return in Timberlake. The question for us handicappers, for us horse players here is, is this a play or a play against with Timberlake? Is this a horse coming off the layoff like we've seen with some others that we need to avoid? We've seen it now with Life Talk. We've seen it with Fierceness. Is Timberlake in that camp or will Brad Cox have him ready to go? I simply don't know. He did win the great, uh, he did win the grade one champagne over Sloppy Go at Aqueduct in October. Came back in that Breeders' Cup Juvenile, finished fourth up the track. But frankly, no one was catching fierceness that day. Timberlake, Kentucky Connection, of course, broke his maiden at Ellis Park in July, going seven furlongs. Floral Drew's always been aboard. We get a switch to Christian Torres here. Interesting flip in that barn in that case. Floral Drew, of course, uh, does not have a mount uh, in this race. So there you go. We will talk to David Levich in the final segment. My next segment here will be with trainer John Ennis. Uh, Irishman and a lover of the state of Kentucky. We talked last week. Taking care of your family isn't always easy, so we make sure getting care when you need it is. With Baptist Health Urgent and Virtual Care, we bring you more options and greater convenience too. With video visits available 24-7 and online check-in through MyChart for in-person visits. To check in online or to set up a video visit, go to baptisthealth.com slash care anywhere. When it's time to replace your heating and air system, we know people want options. That's why you'll always get a free second opinion with BJ Heating and Cooling. Plus, for a limited time, get 0% financing for 60 months on a new Bryant system. Call the experts you can trust at BJ Heating and Cooling. Welcome back to the Kentucky Racing Spotlight on ESPN 680 and 105.7. Now here's Louis Rabot. All right, welcome in on the second segment of the Kentucky Racing Spotlight with Louis Rabot. Louis Rabot alongside John Ennis, trainer John Ennis, here on the show presented by our friends, of course, at the Kentucky HBPA, KYHBPA.org. Uh, All the way from up there in Florence, his name is John. Mr. Ennis, how are you today? Good, Louis. How are you? I'm doing great. Uh, thanks so much. Uh, for joining us here. Uh, you are from County Meath, Ireland. Correct. Uh, uh, how did you get into horse racing? How does a kid from uh, County Meath, Ireland get into horse racing? Um, I guess my, my father always liked to go racing uh, as a uh, just as a punter, basically, and watching him, and I was always uh, going with him, and I kind of just got the bug from there. And uh, what do you think uh, the first time you went to the track? How old was John in his first time? Uh, I'd say it was six or seven. Okay, perfect. There you go. Okay. Yeah, you go. What would you call your home track? What's John Ennis's home track? Uh, in Ireland. Well, here, America or Ireland? In Ireland. Uh, I guess Navin or Ferry House. Uh, they'd be oh, Ferry House. Okay. Close. It's pretty close. Oh. There's pretty Leopard Sound and the Curra. They were all pretty, pretty close to me. Yeah, there you go. Well, that's awesome. Well, hey um, – I, you know, born and raised in Ireland, 16, you, you graduate from RACE, from the racing academy there. Uh, you become a jockey for a little while. Uh, what was it like actually being on the course, being a jockey for the time that you were? That was great. Uh, it was a fantastic grounding. Uh, learned you, taught you how to obviously be disciplined and uh, punctual was a big thing. And uh, all aspects of the horse, really. And it was it was a huge grounding in, in, in my career. It was fantastic. We see, we hear stories, John, of, and obviously there's no one way to train, right? And we see, you know, successful stories of guys who, 
you know, like, you know, they'll breeze their own horses in the morning or they're on a, you know, they're on a pony out there on the track. You know, the coach is sort of the, the famous example of that. Are you still like that? Or do you still ride? Is that something you try to do to keep your, I don't know. Is there, is there a, is there a benefit to a trainer like John Ennis to still ride horses, to still have that as part of your, you know, just part of the, the motion of your own body, if you will. Yeah, absolutely. I couldn't, couldn't see why it wouldn't be a positive um, to get, be able to get on your own horse and, and gallop it or breeze it or do whatever. Um, I don't get on as much as I used to. Um, with a bigger string now. Uh, but, yeah, any day I need to get on, I will. And uh, it's always there in my back room if I need to, get, need to use it, you know? Yeah, okay. So, speaking of riding, um, obviously your, your time as a jockey wasn't super long, uh, but you were an exercise rider after your move to the United States. And I, I have been told by a little birdie named uh, Jenny Reese that you have a pretty famous uh, exercise riding history. Oh, I don't know how famous it was. Uh, <laughs> no, but, uh, I've galloped, I've galloped uh, in, I think it was three-year-old career. It's been a while now, but uh, I used to get on for a good while. I used to get on Wise Dan every morning. And uh, yep. I can recall breezing him as well in, in Keenan Racecourse before he ever, ever won a stake. Uh, so that was... Fantastic to be associated with a horse like that. Yeah, so you you ride wise, Dan, and you know an interesting difference between Irish racing and American racing. There are a lot more, you know, there's more emphasis on say the mile race uh, over the turf courses in the United States and, and races of that sort of distance, rather than more of a ten furlong, maybe even into twelve. Uh, sort of for furlong. Of course, you talked about Leopard Sound, those kinds of places. You know, you'll see a fourteen a furlong kind of race. Um, you know, cultural differences coming over to the United States. Obviously, you've decided to make this uh, your home base, and this is where you're going to be settled. Uh, you know, as far as the different kinds of racing, obviously much more of an emphasis. You know, Elephantstown does have the synthetic track, and you're dealing with, you know, some of the turf racing there as well. You know, do you miss it when you're at, at uh, Turfway Park? Do you miss the, uh, the turf racing, or do you think that Absolutely. is? Absolutely. Okay, all right. And yeah. obviously yeah. Uh, the issues at Churchill Downs and different things. Uh, how do you find turf racing in the United States? Long way to ask that. Uh, look, it's it's the way you do it over here. It's not like home. It's it's, it's a different sort of racing at home. Uh, they go a lot steadier early in yeah. the race at home and they finish a lot faster. Here, even on the grass, they go pretty quick. And uh, it's just it's just pretty quick from the, the word go over here, you know. At home, it's different. But look, it's horses for courses and uh, right. it works over here and it works over there. And I don't see any... Uh, in comparison with uh, when they come over to the Breeders' Cup, I think the Europeans run well here, and also a good American turf horse will run well here. So it's uh, there's you know it's it's good horses, are good horses. Yeah. All right. So John Ennis with us. He's uh, a trainer. He's currently up uh, running horses at Turfway Park. You've had uh, some stakes winners this meet and different things. Uh, your trajectory seems to be speaking of steadiness uh, on a steady incline. Uh, Twenty twenty one. You win 24 races, 911,000 in earnings. 2023, though, 33 winners, uh, an incredible increase, a million and a half in purses, uh, your first million-dollar year. Um, year to year, what do you think it has improved about John Ennis? What about your operation, about you, about uh, what your maybe your, just your rapport with horses? What do you think's gotten better? What leads to um, that? Because, you know, I, I get to interview a lot of, say, basketball football coaches and they all say, oh, it's the players. That's what matters. Uh, at the end of the day, is there is there a John Ennis method that's really important, or does it, at the end of the day, come down to the horses? I think it is just, as you said, the players. Uh, you know, you can try and improve every year uh, in buying nicer horses, and you can try and improve and getting better horses, better stock in the barn. And uh, I think we're doing that every year. Now we're a long way off the big guys and all that. Uh, but we're, look, we're, improving steadily every year and that's all really you can ask for yeah it seems to be uh, like any business you're either getting better or you're getting worse and in your case certainly better uh john you are based up at turfway right now um the kentucky circuit in general since you got here wise dad i was talking with someone yesterday uh, his check for breaking his maiden was twelve thousand bucks <laughs> and uh that was only 12 years ago this isn't some kind of you know, time war back to the 1980s or something like that. That was very recent. We've seen a very different era of Kentucky racing recently. We've got a very interesting circuit here, frankly, with older courses like Keeneland and, and Churchill Downs. And then, of course, you're out in the middle of a field for Kentucky Downs with wild purses, huge fields, all those sorts of things. 
what has stood out as far as the Kentucky circuit? We'll get into your own personal, you know, experience here in a minute. But what stood out to you, you know, since you started here, you know, riding wise, Dan, and being in those kinds of places 10 years on, what's different about the Kentucky circuit to you? Oh, well, the competition, it's, it's, it's like Keenan and Churchill always have been tough, but Turfway never used to be as tough as it is now. Uh, It's really hard. A maiden, you win a maiden at Turfway, you can go anywhere with them, I think. They're good horses. Uh, Obviously, the the purse structure being so good right now, uh, it will attract bigger owners and trainers and uh, it is difficult to win there and uh, and I don't care what level of race you're running in, whether it's a bottom $5,000 claimer or your mm-hmm. allowance or stake, it is it is tough to win there and uh, that's probably, you know, I think Kentucky is as good as any state in the country uh, at the moment for the competition and the, the, the level we run at. When you came to the United States, did you think about going other places? Or did you have connections here that drew you to Kentucky? Uh, no, I just came here. I had a friend of mine that I uh, came over to, and uh, okay. I just as I came over here first, and it's similar to Ireland. We have our seasons here, and uh, the countryside. You can drive five minutes outside the city, and uh, Lexington, and you're in the country. So I think that's what drew me, and that's what kept me here. And uh, I call it home now. And uh, yeah, I, I love Kentucky. Oh, well, good. I'm glad you do. We love having you here for sure. John Ennis with us, uh, trainer at, at Turfway. He's got one in this weekend, of course, at Oakland Park as well. So we'll get into to some of that as well. Um, you know, you, you settling here and, and making a life in Kentucky around horse racing, uh, it's about as good a spot as there is uh, in the United States. When you do travel to other places, you know, for an Oakland, for example, what what are they possibly, you know, what what is something you see in other places that maybe we could adopt in Kentucky and make the circuit even better? Uh, I don't think they really need to adopt anything. Uh, I was basically going to Oakland with other horses for uh, um, just better spots. Some horses might not, might not like the Tapita and uh, sure. we just take them to Oakland. The purses are huge there and the competition is huge too, but um, right. yeah, we'll, we'll occasionally make the trip down to Oakland and uh, um, have a go there with a dirt horse that might not like it to beat and uh, sometimes you just have to do that and adapt you know sure you have Pino's little girl uh, dual entered uh, both at uh, Oaklawn and at Turfway will she stay at Turfway or do you think she'll end up running at uh, Oaklawn I probably looking at the race at Turfway I think I'll stay at Turfway um, okay. the stay came up a little tough down there in Oaklawn so I think we'll try and win the 1x here at Turfway uh, next week and see how yeah see how that goes there you go. You have two in today, Falabella and Wahachi, um, both with Adam Biscuitza. What's it like working with Adam? Adam is great. Um, you know, he's uncomplicated. Uh, he comes out and he does his job. He works hard in the mornings. Uh, he's very easy. I don't, I don't really give him any instructions. He knows what to do. Um, he knows what to do and uh, he knows how I like them ridden. And it's, it's yeah, it's, it's easy and we get on great and, Everything's fine, you know. There's no, there's never a problem. There's no weird like Ireland, England, like rivalry thing between the two of you. You've worked that out. No, no, <laughs> no, not at all. Not Horse at all. racing brings us all together, doesn't it, John? It does. It does. For sure. <laughs> there you go. I um, you know, I'm interested because you know you talked about with, you know, I was reading the other day just some uh, just a press release uh, from down there at the fairgrounds uh, from my friend Kevin Kilroy and. He had interviewed trainer Kenny McPeak, and McPeak had described how much work goes into just managing Smile Happy, for example. And that Smile Happy only liked to train at his farm and didn't really like to train at the tracks and all these kinds of things. And it was a nice reminder, John, that not only uh, are your relationships, say, with jockeys, you know, person to person, your relationship with each horse is its own thing, too. Is that true? Absolutely. You know each horse. and. It's, you know, they all have their own personalities and different way to be trained, and um, you have to, you know, you have to keep on top of that and make sure you're not doing too much or too little with them. And uh, key is keeping them happy. And and if you're if they're happy, they'll run good, and uh, it'll obviously keep you happy too. You've got Fallabella in the race tonight. Uh, do you think it sets up well for? Him? Um, I think it does. I think it's a super competitive little allowance race. Uh, there's six in there, and they all. Any one of the six can win the race. Uh, she ran a good second in allowance the last day. I think we had a little bit of a trouble trip, uh, but no, it is a it's a it's a nice allowance, and 
I'm sure you'll see one or two of these horses that win this race or runs well in this race maybe coming back in the in the, in a stake here in a couple of weeks. So you have them in uh, races six and race nine as a horseman. I've always mm-hmm. wondered this. So Turfway runs it at night. And for those yeah. of us, John, that like to bet on this and have other jobs, uh, that's fantastic. That's a fantastic part of this. Right. Uh, I also do uh, lots of work on track backsides, and I know how early that work starts. Uh, how long are your days Wednesday through Saturday at Turfway Park? I'm pretty tough. <laughs> pretty tough. <laughs> uh, yeah. It's, uh, you know, you're, you're in the barn at before five in the morning. Um, and then she get home. Time to get finished there at eleven, eleven thirty. You get home for a bit of lunch, and I say I'm heading back to the barn right now uh, to load up the two horses going racing. I'm obviously based in Turbot Centre in Lexington, so they'll ship out uh, around two o'clock to Turfway, and then you know, sure. I'll as soon as I get fed, I feed up this evening around four, four thirty. I'll head on down the road. I'm sure I won't get home till. 11.30, quarter to 12 tonight, and then back up at 4, 4.15 in the morning. Uh, if you weren't a uh, a horse trainer, John, what do you think you'd be doing with your life? Oh, jeez. <laughs> I don't know. I don't I tried to think. I tried to think. <laughs> uh, yeah. I, you know, people ask me that once in a while. I have no idea, but I'd probably be just selling insurance yeah. or something. You know? <laughs> Probably one of those. John Ennis with us, uh, trainer out there. Uh, he's got two in at Turfway Park tonight. He'll have one in on the 21st as well. Um, look, you know, we talked about this as well on, on another show. Just I remember, uh, especially it was right when Turfway was running, and it was the Wednesday of Jeff Ruby week that the world shut down for COVID. And I remember the governor coming out and, hey, you can't, you know, they had sold over 10,000 tickets for the Ruby and all this stuff at the old uh, facility. And uh, he said, yeah, you can't do that. And, and I remember the horseman saying, Hey, I still got to go. I still have to go let my horses out. I got to go still be a horseman. Uh, what was 2020 like for John Ennis? Oh, I'm sure it was like, as it was for you, it wasn't enjoyable at all. You know, and the unknown of when we could be back and what we would be doing and when it's going to restart. It was just the unknown basically. And, uh, you know, it wasn't enjoyable. No, no fans or no crowds at the races. It just didn't feel the same. So, you know, it's a chapter that's behind us now, and hopefully, it stays there. Do you, um, you know, you've mentioned several times the difficulty of the races at Turfway Park. Do you do you like that? Do you want the challenge like that, or would you rather have an easier race for an easier check? I know. I think I think it's great. I think it's great for horse racing, and I think it's great for the the betting public, as you see the pick fours and pick fives up there. Uh, magnificent if you're a player um, uh, the pools are good the pools are huge and as regards uh, on the trainer and owner standpoint uh, you know you'll see more owners leaving horses here in Kentucky because they know if they do and can compete in Kentucky and Turf in the winter therefore that farm should carry through to Keeneland and, and Churchill in the spring and you know if you're decent horses you can compete and, and win here So one of those horses is Icicle, she wins last out uh, her only run this year, uh, obviously, in the likely exchange. Uh, what are her plans? Uh, what do you think uh, Icicles will end up doing? Um, yes, she won well last time. Uh, she's going to aim for the Winter Green uh, next okay. Saturday. Cool. Uh, she'll enter, have an entry tomorrow, all being well. Uh, she breathes easy three eights this morning. She's training fantastically, looks great. And uh, She's a filly that looks like she's going the right way and improving. So hopefully, you know, it'll, obviously the Wintergreen will be a tougher race, I would expect. And uh, But if she can compete there, and you know, we'll obviously keep stepping her up and uh, see if we find something for her keen at. Do me, a, you know, walk us through this. This is the behind-the-scenes stuff that I simply don't know. So, that, you know, she's training for mile, mile, and a 16-type races. You have her working out over three furlongs. That is the timed part of the workout. Can you kind of describe what the whole of the workout would look like for a horse like Icicles this morning? Yeah, well, I, I'm not a big uh, long-distance breathing guy, uh, to be honest. I think if they're fit, they're fit, and uh, you, can't, you, can't, you can't, there's no sense in breathing any further. She's, she's a week out from she runs. Uh, so it just, it's basically a maintenance breeze. It's just what she's happy doing, a nice, like, strong gallop at, at her comfort in her comfort zone um, and I 
probably won't do any gallop out after three eights if they're in the following week. So she'll just basically gallop around the pole nice and easy and go a comfortable three eights in hand uh, and then no no gallop out after that and come home and uh, do maintenance week and keep her kind of fresh and happy for the week and onto the winter green with her. The um the distance for training to the track. How long are we? Is it like an hour drive? What are we talking about? Yeah, uh, less than an hour. Uh, okay. Maybe yeah, just under an hour. I'd probably do it in 45, 50 minutes from the track. Well, there you go. That's another great part about this circuit, right? Is you can kind of have a central yeah. base and then go to different places. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So you know, it's 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 pretty easy from here. We're well located, you know. But uh, tough. It's it's not bad. The only bad part is nighttime coming home and tired. <laughs> well, there you go. Uh, Icicles, obviously a stakes winner. Do you have anybody? I mean, I, I you know, look, it's just that time of year. Are we talking John Ennis on the uh, Derby Trail, the Oaks Trail? Uh, we can dream, can't we? Uh, I don't think I'm at from the Oaks, but a uh, <clears throat> nice little horse that won a stake a couple of weeks ago at Turfway. He's two for three now. Uh, he'll probably go to the Battaglia here uh, the 2nd of March. Well, come on, John. You got to mention the horses' names and brag about them a little bit. What are we doing here? Uh, his name is Epic, right? Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. He's uh, well. Look, we like him. He's going the right direction. Uh, he won the Leonta Stakes pretty easy, um, and the first time stretching out to a mile, which was um, was good that he could do that. So yeah, mile and the sixteenth. The next time in the Bataglia, uh, I don't think it's an issue for him. Uh, he's a sweet okay. horse and. Uh, I no, I yeah, he's he's doing good. He breezed this morning as well. He breezed a nice half mile this morning and kinda of that's his big breeze now, a nice sharp half mile gallop out five eights this morning. And that's him ready to go, hopefully for Vitaglia. So that's way your way of saying he he fired a bullet this morning, right? Is <laughs> he did, he did. I think he did. Say he had this <laughs> yeah, he bullet this morning. Uh but he's, he, look, he's a nice horse, but same thing. That was a nice controlled work. Uh Strong work without taking him out of his comfort zone. Uh, Sophie Doyle, who used to race ride, she actually breezed him. Um, okay. Yep. Uh, she's an excellent breeze rider. She helps me quite a bit, and she's a big asset to me. Uh, so she was very high in him, and she likes him a lot. How do you? How do those relationships come to be? By the way, As someone like Sophie Doyle, how do you get introduced? How does she make the decision to ride for you? Are there just enough trainers at a place like the, the TTC that she can just kind of get work that way? How does that work? Uh, I knew Sophie before I ever came out here. Um, we knew each other back in England, and uh, she came out here riding. She rode, I think, I think her percentage for me riding in races was probably high, or definitely the first three, finishing the first three was, I'd say, huge. Uh, but she ridden a good few winners for me, and she'd always, we'd always, we're always friends. And uh, so she's kind of, she lives here in Lexington with her husband, Chris. And um, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, she comes in, and any day I'm working, she'll get on them. And, and she's 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 brilliant. She's uh, she knows exactly what to do, and she can tell you a whole pile after the breeze. And uh, if she's happy with what the horse felt so, like, I'm I'm super happy. So epic ride. You're you're pointing here to the Bataglia three week turnaround uh, to the Ruby. Is he likely to do both if he's if he looks good in the Lima in the uh, in the Bataglia? Yeah, uh, we haven't made that decision yet. Uh, it's kind of. <laughs> It's kind of see how he does uh, if he performs well and runs good race you know it's either there or the bluegrass i don't uh i don't want to accuse you of touching the money or anything like that but do you ever allow yourself to look because of this two fills last year run second in the derby a couple of years ago rich strike wins and animal kingdom comes off that track i know this the surface has changed since he was there but it's the turfway route to the Kentucky Derby is a very successful one. The Wood Memorial has not given us a winner since 2000. Does John Ennis allow himself to dream about a horse like Epic Ride in the winter circle of the Kentucky Derby? Absolutely, sure. Look, that's what we get up Good. in the morning. We dream, you know, but it's, as everybody else knows, it's kind of, I have no points or anything like that for the, the Derby or anything like that. So until, like, I'll, I'll start maybe dreaming a little bit if he wins a Bataglia and then, maybe thinking maybe he could be a horse that could start in the derby um, but like that's a long way off yet look he I'm sure the tag is going to be a tough race and uh, oh, yeah. uh, you know he has to go and prove himself in that race and 
and then we can start making a plan. Uh, three weeks is a quick turnaround to the Ruby, and uh, yeah, I happily run the Ruby if I thought that he was ready and the three week was fine. But if he's saying I need another week, uh, he'll probably go to the Bluegrass. There you go. All right. Uh, well, John Ennis, we'll let you get out of here on that. Uh, Epic Ride, of course, a son of blame. Mom is by Giapani. Uh, so I do agree with you. I think the distance ain't going to be an issue, my friend. So hopefully uh, he keeps developing that way. Is there anything else people should know uh, about John Ennis before we let you go? I don't think so. I think, I think, <laughs> you, I think you have it all down. I don't want to be giving away too many secrets. Oh, there you go. Well, good enough. We'll say hi to Sophie for us, John. Don't be a stranger. And uh, good luck. Uh, safe trips, of course, with everybody. And uh, best of luck, uh, of course, with Epic Ride. And, uh, man, I really would be fantastic to see you with, uh, with a starter in the starting gate uh, the first Saturday. Be well, John. Thank you, Louie. Thanks for having me on. All right. Thank you. Tired of jumping from job to job? How about a career in a recession-proof industry where you can make a difference and help create a healthier living and working environment? The pest management industry gives you the opportunity to work with more independence. OPC Pest Services will give you a chance to grow with advancement. Come be a part of our team at OPC Pest Services. Apply online at opcpest.com careers. That's opcpest.com careers. Where do you go to find all your favorite wine, beer, and spirits with selections customized to local tastes? For over 25 years, that go-to place has been Cox's Spirit Shop. Cox's, Louisville's go-to liquor store. Welcome back to the Kentucky Racing Spotlight on ESPN 680 and 105.7. Now here's Louis Rabot. All right, welcome back into the Kentucky Racing Spotlight, segment three here on February 23rd, 2024. Louis Rabot hanging out with you. Uh, we are presented by the Kentucky HBPA, KYHBPA.com. Uh, Go check them out. On their website, all the great advocacy that they're doing and membership options for you. If you are a horse person uh, within the Commonwealth, they would definitely love to hear from you, kyhbpa.com. Uh, Happy to be joined by David Levitch here to handicap these races, kind of look generally at uh, the Derby Trail as well. David, welcome in. It's been a minute since we talked. How have you been? It has been a minute. I think our last time we talked was Florida Derby Day last year, maybe. Oof, that's a bad job by me. Man, oh, man. My apologies. I think, well, we but I've been great. Here. I've been great. Thank you for having me again. No, no, it's no problem at all. Uh, David, of course, uh, you can find him uh, on Twitter. You can find him at Horse Racing Nation. Lots of really great stuff around him. Hit that early pick five at Aqueduct the other day. Never hurts to hit an early pick five. Uh, Four-figure one uh, there on Long Island. So uh, we get him in to do some handicapping, but also just sort of generally talk about the trail. During the open of the show, David, I mentioned the Dust Commander last, last week. At Turfway Park, we could go through it and talk about how the race set up and, you know, the fact that, you know, it's a great race for everyone involved. But I wanted to talk about the winning jockey, and that's Abel Cedillo. And I was a little surprised to see him at the Turfway, in the Turfway colony, because he's getting good mounts in L.A. Uh, before that, great mounts in the Bay Area. Obviously, the Bay Area, not a spot where he can just be real prolific these days, but it was a spot where – you know, in L.A., at least at Santa Anita, he was getting good mounts. But it's three days a week of racing. It's eight, nine, you know, eight usually races on a card. We get nine races every card at Turfway. There's a guarantee of a $70,000 purse essentially every day. There's guarantees of stakes every Saturday. And he gets the mount and he wins there off to a terrific start. As we move forward with racing, David, and this is the Kentucky Racing Spotlight, are we going to see more of this where the you know a colony at a place like Turfway Park is just that good because of the purses? Yeah, I mean, even not even just him who came from California, but you saw Adam the Biscuit. He stayed at, yep. at Turfway Park. So um, there's jockeys that, you know, usually it's shipped out for the winter that just, he stayed. I don't think he's had a ton of success staying in the winter. You've had guys that usually kind of ship to Oakland, the fairgrounds of the day. But Abel Cedillo was a guy – I think he came from California and really kind of did super well at, in Southern California. And then he kind of faded. I think he got hurt over the spring, kind of came back, and he didn't really have the same momentum. 
came to Kentucky late, um, late in the Churchill meet. I think he started off turfway also a little slow, but ever since the New Year hit, he's been right up there at the top with um, Juan um, Juan Machado. So, yeah, he's a jockey that's had a lot of ability. Won a ton of big road for Baffert and those guys. But with these purses, I mean, I don't know why you ship out if you, you know you're going to be riding for good yeah, and pretty much guaranteed morning work as well, right? These guys can double dip that way. So I just, I think there's, we're going to see more guys like that. And, you know, credit to, to Abel, you could have looked at the early part, like you said, his December, for example, and just kind of written him off as, man, maybe he's not going to be, you know, settling into good mounts here. Or he's not going to have whatever. Man, the second he figured out how to ride the tapita there, he's been really great. So I totally agree with you. Uh, on that in Kentucky, like, in Kentucky as a whole, to be honest, um, I mean, you see Churchill's really growing even more than it already was. You have guys like Belmont being renovated. You might even see more guys stay in Kentucky after Keeneland and Seven having to ride at Aqueduct, you know, year-round. Guys like Rosario probably will stick around and have some other jockeys um, that are coming to Kentucky to stay. All right, David Levitch with us here. This is the Kentucky Racing Spotlight with Louis Rabot. We're on ESPN 680-1057. Thanks for being uh, part of the show, and thanks for making us part of your horse racing weekend uh, look, uh, Risen Star last weekend, everybody got really excited. Sierra Leone wins. And, David, I've got, I'm not good at this this year is deciding which horses off layoffs are going to fire. Uh, I was convinced Fierceness was going to look great. Not so much. And then, um, <laughs> you know, Life Talk comes back in Gulfstream. Not so much. Uh, but we do see Sierra Leone come back in a good spot and wins in a good spot. Uh, you know, I hear these stories, David, from people that know the sport better than me, that, you know, the horse wasn't totally cranked up. He wasn't doing this. Do you think there's a chance that Sierra Leone is just one of these horses that's always cranked up? Yeah, I think a very talented horse. And, you know, it's funny, his running style, if you watch, when you watch the Risen Star, you just you expect him to be able to down he did with that slow of a pace, but Chad Brown is so off layoffs, as we know, on dirt and turf. So I wasn't – he might have been 100% cranked, but I have to think he – because he ran such a big race off the layoff. And he just has a lot of ability. The race he lost in the Remsen was that day at Aqueduct, that, that crazy good rail, and he was the only – just came flying late and he hung a little bit but that's because the horse on the inside door knock was on the rail basically the entire race right. but yeah i think he's a horse that he brings his best effort i mean he's brought his best effort in all three races he's obviously gotten better speed figure wise but yeah i mean if fierceness i don't know what that was in the um first race back at Gulfstream, um the holy bull i mean he just doing a complete clunker but he threw yeah. a clunker in the champagne as well and then came back to destroy in the breeders cup so He's clearly a horse that kind of needs things to go his way. How are you looking at a horse like Track Phantom at this point on the Derby Trail? Is that one that you're still keeping, say, in your top five, at least as a contender, something like that? Or did you see enough on Saturday where, say, Sierra Leone was just better? No, I think um, I think Track Phantom's a really good horse. The track was sloppy. He had no excuse. It was 49 and a half. He had things his own way, but – I still think he's a horse that has room to improve. He's obviously got a really good trainer in his background with Steve Asmussen. He's got forward speed, and I just like horses with, you know, forward to tactical speed. I would not toss him out yet. It'll be interesting to see how he does when the distance gets even longer in the um, Louisiana Derby because it goes mile and three sixteenths, I think it is. But no, I'm a, he's actually a horse that I'm pretty high on, and I'm just going to keep following him. I, I think he's going to get better and better. Yeah, I agree with you about him. I think he's going to be just fine. And frankly, I think the top two uh, in that group are going to be problems the entire year on that three-year-old trail. Um, uh, the other race down there, of course, was the grade two Rachel Alexandra. <laughs> Let me read you some of the past winners of this one. Pretty mischievous, Turner Loose, Clarier, Finite, Serengeti Empress, Monomoy Girl. That is literally just the list uh, since 2018. David, I'm a big believer in races being good predictors for the next race. And so this was obviously a, a race that predicts, frankly, not just next good races, but good careers. Um, and I, I made the joke earlier in the show that the Federico Tessio on the Maryland Trail is a great predictor for who won't win the Preakness, for example. So I really I like to yeah. watch those trends. Is there any chance Tarifa's another one of these horses? Yeah, I think I think that even the horse that ran second intricate's a very nice horse. She she was off a layoff. She was very impressive in the race at Churchill Downs in the um, fall and Thanksgiving week the grade two that's escaping. I mean, she was off a little bit of a layoff in here. And I thought she ran fine too. I think this race, like you said, 
has had so many good horses. I think Tarifa took a ton of late action. She was six to one going eight, one off and five to two. And in a race, she thought that maybe the other Cox horse and Alpine Prince horse who had a huge shot. She didn't really fire best shot. I don't know if it was the wet track or not, but I think the first two runners in this race, it's going to be interesting to see how they run next time out that intricate has a start under her belt off the layoff. Cause I actually, I actually liked intricate more in this race on into the race, but off, I didn't think she disappointed at all. And so it'll be interesting. Yeah. I hope they both run in together. Maybe one will separate, yes. one will go to Keeneland, one will go to Fairgrounds. But if they run both run at the Fairgrounds, I think it'll be interesting to see how both come back now that she has a start under the belt. I'm interested too because perfect shot, the three for Asmus. And as you mentioned, intricate, the four here that you're talking about was Brendan Walsh's horse and Alpine Princess also off the layoff. All three of them are coming off the layoff. And the real conundrum handicapping that race was do you want current class or do you trust horses off the layoff and it turned out it was current class tarifa was ready to go and uh you know you feel good for a small barn like a dolphin don't you yeah they they don't win enough good races they never win the eclipse or owner of the year i think they've won last whatever amount of years now 17 good year. horses <laughs> there you go uh well there you go those two horses uh have probably punched their tickets uh for their respective friday and saturday dates first weekend here uh in louisville uh, ahead of the Oaks and the Derby, of course. Uh, so there you go. David Levitch with us. Uh, you can find him at Horse Racing Nation. And, um, of course, uh, tell people where to find you on Twitter. Uh, you can find me at Paddock underscore Prince. Also known as a horse capper on there. But, yeah, like you said, I'm also on um, Horse Racing Nation, our expert picks. Known as the Paddock Prince on there as well. At Paddock underscore Prince. There you go. So you can find David's stuff there. We do want to talk handicapping uh, with him on the Kentucky Racing Spotlight here on ESPN 680-1057. We are presented by the Kentucky HBPA. Uh, we go to Oaklawn this weekend to get ready uh, for a couple of races here um, that are going to lead to the Oaks and the Derby. Interesting late sequence here, David. Uh, Mucho Macho Girl, by the way, running in that carousel should be interesting uh, to kick off the late pick five in race eight. I do have to laugh, David. It appears Arkansas is doing its darndest to keep up with the purses in Kentucky. They're running stakes for 150,000. Then they're running allowances the same day for 150,000. I know. I actually, it's, I actually tweeted out the other day. It's actually amazing. You don't get, and you, you look for a race. You're like, these horses are really running for 150. Amazing. They don't get better, even better horses that run in the winter. You yeah. would look because last weekend at the fairground, I mean, they're running for $60,000 and 65,000, but they're very, very good maiden races and allowance yeah. horses. You come to the fairgrounds, they're running for 150. or like, some of these horses can start our allowance races and they're running for 150,000. <laughs> they have some, obviously have some good quality horses, but it's a little surprising. They don't even get better horses. Yeah, I'm with you on that. Let's go to the Honeybee, man. It's uh, race nine on the card on the 24th, Saturday there at Oakland Park. Grade three, mile and the 16th, $400,000 here. Obviously, three-year-old fillies in this one. Seeing some horses back in this one. We're seeing horses that we've seen recently. Um, Kenny McPeak has the favorite here, which uh, if people have listened to the first two iterations of this show, that man drives me crazy and it's not his fault. Uh, if he has a horse that's <laughs> that's in any kind of good shape. That horse is going to be in the starting gate, and I appreciate him for that, but I also cannot figure out if a horse like Band of Gold, she'll be the two in here, will fire and be a real problem. We see West Omaha, who was scratched out last weekend in that Rachel Alexandra, make the trip up here, will be the favorite uh, at 7-5, to 2-1 to one on the Kenny McPeak trained Band of Gold. Alice Beach is back in here after a very nice two-year-old campaign. Uh, only won once, but ran third uh, in the Alcibiades uh, at Keeneland in October. Tom Amos gave her a bunch of time off. Uh, I'm a big fan of Tom Amos with three-year-old fillies. I think he's a really, really good conditioner of young fillies. Where did you land here in the Honeybee? Well, actually, before – I actually want Alice Beach as well. I, I kind of – I like the way this horse – in her two-year-old season she beat a horse in life talk who won the grade two demoiselle she yep. came back in a tough grade one and then you know tom amos ran her in the house of bodies which is obviously you probably have to try that she lost to candy who ran a very good race in the breeders cup he could have easily found her an allowance race here he brings her back in a grade three and it's 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 a pretty good grade three you have a couple horses we'll talk of you mentioned we're gonna talk about it in a second but i think just her coming back in this race own trainer that could have used this condition is a positive sign. And you get Julian Leperu to ride. Actually, I think this is his first time riding at Oakland. You're full. And he's done very well at 16%. He's got some I agree. good rides. So 
I actually think this horse is very interesting. And, you know, if you're a figure person, she ran a 75 in her last race. If she can improve 10 points, then most horses improve from two to three. I mean, the West Omaha, or I don't know who's going to be the favorite. I would think West Omaha because it's Brad. Probably. Um, will probably go off as a favorite. But her last race, she ran 84. So if Alice Beach is ready to go off the layoff and she can improve the 10 points, she's good value in this race. Because the two favorites are good fillies. But I have my reservations. What is your reservation, for example, about Band of Gold? Is it the slop last out? I think I, that's a slop. I mean, because if you look at her first slow race, it was an off-the-turf race. She didn't back in Napleville. The pace was not hot. Alpo, wire to wire. And then she gets on a wet track, and she just explodes. She runs a buyer figure 23 points higher than she's ever run. That it was sloppy. I did check the weather. It's supposed to be actually sunny at Oakland for once. Um, yeah, to be 72 and sunny. <laughs> And I'm with you on Kate. I never get him right ever. I think that's what you were saying by that. I never get him yes. right. The whole Philly was 25 to one last time. Now she's five to two, two to one. So now she's zero value on a wet track. And she comes back and let's see what you got 21 days and runs that kind of race again. I'll just pat her on the back because that's just not a horse I would horse off a race like that on a wet track coming back in days. Yeah, I'm interested, by the way, if someone's interested in my long shot, it's the Diodoro train midshipman's dance outside the 10 uh, for Ramon Vasquez, who's had a pretty good first year. Uh, like you mentioned, Julian Leperu, you get uh, uh, Ramon Vasquez here. I think he's had a really nice uh, lead up here. This horse has gone uh, sprinting twice. He's going to stretch out for the first time. That's something Robert, you know, Diodoro does really well there uh, at 26%. And so interested to see if that one fires uh, on Saturday, obviously she's a son, or excuse me, a daughter of midshipmen. Uh, be interested to see if uh, she likes the distance there. Let's go to race 11. We'll close with the Rebel. It's a grade two mile and a 16th. Uh, little thing called a $1.25 million. We're getting yeah. close to this money here. Good Lord. Um, good to see. And frankly, you know what? People responded. You got 13 uh, horses in the starting gate as horse players. We love this kind of problem. <laughs> David, uh, can you solve the uh, the riddle here? Uh, I think the race starts with Timberlake, obviously, who's going to be the street favorite, 6-5. to five. Comes off an okay race in the Breeders' Cup. Uh, the track was a little speed favoring that day when Fierceness wired. His champagne was good on a sloppy track, but I don't know. I, this is another favorite. Lie. I mean, I use him in multi-race bets, but he's just – he's a horse, but – I think there's just better value in this race. And the more I looked, I think just steel. I don't know if the distance is his friend, but he keeps showing running these good races. Last time yes. I was in the Southwest, Mystic Dan, I'm sure you are aware the rail was pretty good. Mystic Dan just flew up the rail and ran off the screen. He didn't get back on a fast track now and just steel. And he's just kind of always around. So I think I would definitely use him. And then the sixth horse in here, Demand, he's going to have to um, – the Pletcher horse that just left my brain. It ran in the Breeders' Cup. Dreamlike horse almost won the Pennsylvania yeah. Derby that ran in the Classic. And this one getting better and better. Asterson actually ran him in an allowance race because there's a three-year-old allowance race on yep. card today or on um, this card on day, the first race. Could have ran him in that race. They put him right in the um, Rebel. He's a horse that's getting better in every start and getting the blinkers on. I think he's a horse because this pace looks pretty hot on paper, in my opinion. There's a lot of horses stretching out like time for truth. You're going to yep. get horses like Timberlake, who's probably going to be forward. You're going to get some speed in this race, in my opinion. And I think it's set up for a horse like this, which could be really on the It's interesting. I really like Carbone in here, the one. Um, I'm just kidding. I, uh, <laughs> I'm i actually interested to see if Northern Flame runs well here. I think this is a horse that really likes Oaklawn Park. I don't know if he's a derby horse for me long term. But he was able to get out front, stay out front last time. And this might be the kind of field where, I, you know, a, 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 just a veteran jock like Julian Leperu can just rock everybody to sleep. And I wonder if he can't get that kind of trip again. Or maybe he's sitting just off a horse like Carbone. Maybe the horse, you know, Castillo feels like he's got to go from the inside. And, you know, son of Matoli, I think that's the only thing they know how to do, right? And so yeah, absolutely. they get stuck right next to him. We get that five-to-one number, some flame away, flame away. Mom's by Bernardini. Obviously built for the for the the stretch out, and I am interested. You mentioned it, time for truth. Uh, Rafa Bejarano and Ron Moquette here. Ron Moquette, obviously one of the absolute deans of Oakland Park. Um, they had to rename a bunch of stakes races because of his training job <laughs> down there. And so, right in that mud last time in the Ozark, has never stretched out, but he does go sprinter route. 
uh, at 14%. Interested to see if this uh, son of Omaha Beach, and I was excited to start seeing these Omaha beaches, uh, will have uh, what's left in the tank. And, of course, if Timberlake comes off that layoff well uh, or not. Were you surprised to see Torres aboard Timberlake and not Florent Giroux? I think the reason is I think Florent went to ride southbound. I'm pretty sure Torres is riding every single horse on the card. So I think it's yes. one of those things. I think he just got the mount. But yeah, I mean, I guess Florent going it's a $20 million race compared to a $1.25 million race. And if he comes back, if Timberlake runs well, and Florent's usually his main guy. So I, I don't know if this is like a one race thing for Torres, who's obviously a very capable jockey in Oakland the last couple of weeks, last year at least. But yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if Florent gets back on him. Well, David, thanks so much for joining us here on the Kentucky Racing Spotlight on ESPN 680. Uh, appreciate your time, man. Good luck this weekend. Appreciate it. You too. Thank you for having me. All right, David Levitch. He's the uh, he's the Paddock Prince. Find him at Horse Racing Nation, uh, and of course um, on Twitter. Go find him. He's a really, really good follow. Really, really fine a handicapper as well. Fun to walk through those races with him. David does a great job of talking about previous races and what the winners or the contenders in those races came to do in the next race. Uh, and does a great job of that uh, as well. I am Louis Rabot. This is the Kentucky Racing Spotlight. We are presented by the Kentucky HBPA, KYHBPA.com. Go check out the website for membership and for all of their advocacy uh, advocacy work over there uh, as well. Hey, thanks for hanging out with me today, and good luck this weekend.